In his farewell address, George Washington said this, Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. It saddens my heart to say it, but in spite of what Father Washington said, I fear that we Americans have failed to learn from our experience and reason has long since been cast aside. The Apostle Paul said essentially the same thing this way. He said, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Sadly, as Western culture continues to surrender to the views of an extreme few and their faulty argument that true inclusion of all requires that democratic nations purge themselves of their religious foundations, we continue to do what the apostle warned against. We use our freedom to indulge our sinful nature. Consequently, George Washington's prophecy is being fulfilled that national morality cannot prevail in the absence of religious principles. I found this short essay on the internet the other day as I was preparing for this message. It's attributed to a popular secular writer who is certainly no big fan of traditional morality. But listen to what he writes. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more, we have less, we buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, yet we have less time. We have more degrees, but make less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, yet more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry. We stay up too late and get up too tired. We read too little and watch too much TV. We have multiplied our possessions but have reduced our values. We talk too much. We love too seldom. And we hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back. But we have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but we've polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. These are the times of fast foods and slow digestion. Big men, but small character. Steep profits and shallow relationships. 
These are the days of two incomes, but more divorce. Fancier houses, but broken homes. These are days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one night stands, overweight bodies, and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there is much in the showroom window, but not much in the stockroom. Pretty amazing. You know, it's regrettable that secular men like this can see the problem. Indeed, can be quite eloquent in exposing the problem, as I just read in these amazing words, yet they're completely unaware that the very cause of this skid has been the lack of religious foundation. The very foundation that many of them despise. The extreme cultural left in America, and just for the record, I have many problems with the extreme right as well. The operative word here being extreme. But it is the far left that view religion itself as some kind of threat to personal freedom. For them, freedom means the absence of any external moral constraint. It means complete moral autonomy, which logically includes moral depravity. This is the goal of the radicals in the United States today, which are waging a war against religious values, as may be seen in their almost rabid support of pornography, premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex, same-sex marriages, abortion. And of course, they fight for the removal of all vestiges of religion from the public sphere. They view religious values, values that stake out positions of what is morally right and wrong, as the enemy of freedom. What they fail to see is that George Washington was correct. Democracy cannot ultimately succeed in a nation that excludes religious principles. This is what the cultural war in America is all about. And make no mistake, it is a war, not of bullets and bombs, but of values and ideas. Of course, every time people of faith stand up, for religious values, our detractors will be there to condemn us as backward, hateful, intolerant, bigoted, phobic, close-minded, and even worse. And why do they say such hurtful things? Because the first thing people do in war is devalue and dehumanize their opponents. If they can dehumanize us as some kind of moral monsters, then they can wage war against us with impunity. This, of course, presents the great challenge before us, for we must fight this war while still valuing and even loving our opponents. We must love those who argue against any restraints in our nation, even as we have to oppose them. 
While they speak words of insult and evil against us, we must speak words of kindness about them. As we oppose those who argue for the right to take the lives of the unborn, we must value, cherish, and protect their lives. As extremists try to erase all influences of faith in the public square, we must be careful to take care and make sure that they are never ignored. We must, as the Apostle Paul exhorted, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As we work to advance the kingdom of God in Christ, we must never act in ways that are hateful or mean-spirited, but rather in ways that are kind considerate, patient, and loving to those who fear us. The first Christians conquered an evil, persecuting, pagan, violent empire, not by using hatred and evil. No, they overcame the Roman Empire, an empire that entertained itself on their very blood. They overcame that empire with the love of Christ by being good to those who gave them evil, love to those who gave them hate, blessings to those who showered them with curses, and giving words of life to those who took their very lives from them. It was this way that the early believers changed the history of the world. Reason and experience, Washington said, both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. So as you enjoy this 4th of July holiday weekend, spending time with your family and friends and reflecting on the wonderful freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Let us remember that freedom without faith is an illusion. That liberty with no restraint is no liberty at all, but rather destructive anarchy. That freedom is never free. Be grateful and respectful to those who have sacrificed for our liberties. Understand that freedom always has and always will have those that hate and despise it. And finally, that freedom only exists by refusing to be overcome by evil and choosing rather to overcome evil with good. I'm going to invite our ushers to come and get ready as we prepare to serve communion this morning. Our Lord Jesus, in the Gospels it's recorded, he was in a synagogue service one Saturday and he got up to read from the sacred scrolls and he opened the scroll of Isaiah and came to a portion of scripture where Isaiah prophesied of the Messiah. And Jesus found these words and began to read these words that spoke of him. 
And he says these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. We Americans are going to be celebrating the political freedoms we enjoy because of the great sacrifice of men and women who fought to protect those freedoms. Well, in the same way, in communion, we Christians celebrate the freedom from the destructive power of sin that was purchased for us in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. His body was broken so that we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have our sins washed away. If you've never accepted God's great love for you this morning, the love that he displayed in his son, Jesus Christ, you can do so today by simply joining with us in this simple prayer. If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Christ, you can begin your life of faith today. This can be your day of freedom. Freedom from sin. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. I'm going to invite everyone here as well as all those who are watching via video this morning to join with us in this prayer. If you will mean this prayer from the bottom of your heart, you can experience God's forgiveness in your life today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.